Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Geek Myself. I don't know why my voice went really high there, but <coughs> hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah. Uh, this week, we are going to be to uh, dialect it back a little bit, and we're going to be talking about Avatar. The Last Airbender, yes. not yeah. the James Cameron film, and yes. not the images you use on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, there's yes. a lot of different of things. <laughs> there are, but yeah, specifically we're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, which was a cartoon put out by Nickelodeon. Yes. Uh, let's see, back in... Uh, it started in 2005 and f- yes. and was uh, and concluded in 2008. So it's been concluded for over 10 years. Good lord. <laughs> and next year, it'll have been 15 years since it started. Oh, that makes me feel so old. I was in yeah. college when Avatar started. Um, I would Don't have say been it. 10. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been 10. How does that make you feel? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Old. <laughs> yes, um... <laughs> It also had a follow-on uh, show uh, called The Legend of Korra, which we are not going to touch on too much, but it definitely followed on. Uh, yes. And that was released between 2012 and 2014. Uh, uh, so there was a bit of a gap between it. There was also a random blip, uh, and mm. something supposedly exists in between those two. T- no. Um, there was also a movie produced by Emma Shyamalan called The Last Ever and a Journey. So bad. <sighs> it might be, but it exists. <laughs> and we have to talk about it at least briefly, mm. <laughs> even if we'd rather not. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the setting for Avatar is a world which is kind of like our own, but technology is only just starting to become a thing for certain elements of the world. But in addition to all of that, there are uh, benders, which is an interesting term, but essentially what that means is depending on your birth parents and where your location is, depends on whether you could be born with the ability to manipulate one of the four core uh, elements of the world, which is Mm -hmm. fire, air, earth, and water. And I don't think I did that in the right order. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, no, I think I did. I think I did, (laughs) thinking about it. So there's um, a chance that if you were born born in, say, the Earth Kingdom, you could uh, be born with the power to manipulate Earth and become an Earthbender which mm-hmm. obviously took more training and stuff, uh, but it wasn't everyone, um, and for some uh, elements it was more uh, it was more secluded just because of the smaller populations for those places. Uh, right. Because um, uh, there were four main areas where these kind of uh, people convened, with there being four air temples throughout the world with like north, air, east, south and west, the Fire Nation, which was fairly large itself, like as a centralized uh, place. Uh, the Water Nations, which were towards the North and South Pole. And then the Earth Kingdom, which was the pretty much the rest of the world. It was the, the largest of the elements, which is what I mean uh, in regards to depending on which nation you were born in. Depends on how many of those bending practices you'd see. It was, uh, mm. The world was also heavily tied with the spirit world uh, which is where the avatar comes in the avatar is a bridge between the spirit world and the modern world and also has the ability to master all four of the elements which is the only person who could do it you were only ever born with one Mm -hmm. unless you were this person the avatar who kept being reborn who could perform uh, who could learn to master all four of those elements 
Yeah, uh, which, <clears throat> which didn't happen regularly. And just for anyone who's wondering, I don't know as much about Airbender, about Avatar The Last Airbender, as Russ, so he's taken point on this episode. Yes, a little bit. Um, so that's the basic rundown. I want you, while we're mentioning that, um, how far did you get into the series? Um, if I you can remember. I <laughs> think I finished the first season. I remember them... I remember seeing them going to the Earth Kingdom. Okay, so and you would have been a little bit into season two. Yes, and I, I, I saw all of the stuff where they met the second Water Kingdom. Because I, I know... Um, the, the Northern Water Tribe. Yes, yeah. because they had come from the Southern Water, water Tribe. Um, yes, yes. The two siblings whose names I just blanked on. Um, oh, Sokka God. and Katara. Thank you. Yes. I, I, I wasn't sure which which one. Uh, my you my brain that. just blanked on the names for a second. <laughs> no, that's that's, <laughs> like, that's uh... totally fine. So essentially, that is something that's always been established. Every time the Avatar dies, they are reborn into the next element in the cycle, which is why that it matters to mm-hmm. get it in the right order. Uh, fire goes into air, air then goes into water, water goes into earth, and earth back into fire. And that's a rotating, ever-constant thing. Uh, but um, the show's basic premise is that the Fire Nation declared war on the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, specifically one particular ruler decided he was going to, and then everything yes. went to hell. Yes, uh, Fire Lord Sozin mm-hmm. decided that uh, the Fire Nation wasn't big enough and they wanted more. So they uh, declared war um, with the Avatar at the time, Avatar Roku being a firebender, couldn't stop and unfortunately died during that. He uh, said the Avatar was reborn as an airbender but due to being told too early of what their nature was, uh, they reacted badly and got caught in a situation which meant that they were frozen in ice for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Which means that to the rest of the world, the Avatar had vanished. Which, yeah. Um, it wasn't good. Um, no. Oh, and one thing that is important to note also is that even though the person who ends up being the Avatar is always random, it just depends on where they get reincarnated, um, it does cycle through the different nations. So um, it from the Fire Nation, the next nation in the cycle was the Air Nation, and that's why... The this show is called Avatar The Last Airbender. Exactly. Because while this war was going on... Uh, a lot of casualties were had on mm-hmm. all of the elements, but the air nomads, which is what they went by, were always the smallest and least numbered of the of the the, the four nations. So by the time Ang, who is the main protagonist of the show and is the Avatar, comes out of the ice, or is freed from the ice by Sokka and Katara, uh, they are now the last one. Uh, there aren't any more that he can find uh, which is a massive shock to him of course because well, it just would be and spends quite a lot of the show dealing with more adult themes than you perhaps give credit for a kid show mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons that I uh, adored the show both as a, a kid and as an adult, I've rewatched it a few times. I rewatched it actually. Um, for the for twenty eighteen, uh, for the ten year anniversary at the end of the show, it came back out on Blu Ray, like so released in HD, and so of course I had to get it. <laughs> so um, I got that, and then that's when I sort of rewatched it and fell in love with the show again. Um, okay, so yeah. Uh, there are three books as we talked about and each one focuses on Aang trying to learn a uh, the, the next element within those sort of cycles which follows mm-hmm. water earth and then fire yes uh, he's also under a time pressure for this because he is told because as 
where, as we mentioned, the spirit world is connected through the Avatar, so they have more chance to get spirit help, and they uh, are contacted by their previous Avatar to say that they have a little under six months to be ready to stop the Fire Lord, which is the person who is in charge of the Fire Nation. Uh, right, who otherwise... is no longer Sozin, but one of his descendants. No. Yes, uh, Ozai now. Uh, but uh, the war continued on throughout that line, and with the power of that comment, it were uh, uh, a comet. Sorry, I missed a bit. <clears throat> At the end of the six months, a comet, which uh, would come back uh, around to the Earth, and that would amplify the Fire Nation's ability mm-hmm. to finally end the war in their favor. So, Ang is twelve has very little knowledge of this new world and has to find three teachers to teach him the uh, three remaining elements because he's already extremely proficient in airbending at this point. Um, But he has to find teachers for those within six months. Something that other other avatars don't need. They spend sometimes decades mastering these elements. So... Yeah, and he doesn't uh, have that much time. No, he doesn't. So already from the start, there's a, a great story to follow. Uh, and what's what was always nice about the show is that it, it had it all planned out in the fact that there were going to be three books. The story would follow from that point until the conclusion, which I'm obviously not going to spoil because... Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, it followed that story and didn't try to pad it past that point. Uh, so no, it had they had a it great, very planned out. Yes, they they had uh, a great conclusion uh, where everything made sense, and you could tell that forethought had been put into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now that we've sort of covered the main basis of the show. I'm going to bring up a little bit of trivia for the show because uh, it's one of my favorite little things about the show for for one thing. Okay. Is that all of the different bending styles, which like as in fire bending and earth bending, air bending and water bending, are based on uh, worldly martial arts. So within the sort of styles of the movement you can tell you could the there's distinct differences between them all with mm-hmm. uh, them t- coming from different uh, styles of uh, martial arts and there's a big old list which I have somewhere <laughs> yeah I know I know what you're talking about I don't specifically remember which nations used which style but it is interesting if you if you watch the show it's very cool because you can see the difference between the way that the the benders move. So the way the airbenders move is very different from how the firebenders move is different from how the earthbenders move. And it's because each of them moves according to the type of element that they control. Yeah. Okay. Um, for waterbending, it's a style of Tai Chi. Uh, which is uh, specifically called the Yang style, which is a Chinese martial art uh, that features very slow and elegant movements, which, if uh, you think about it, is very similar to how water would move. So it kind of flows into their body movement in that way. Uh, With earthbending, it's a a style of Kung Fu called Hungar, which... uh, features heavily rooted stances and strong kicks and punches. So it's essentially you're you're a resolute object with taking smaller but more powerful movements to direct the earth as a solid but powerful object. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes sense. Fire, mm -hmm, with fire bending. uh, It's a different uh, style of Kung Fu with northern Shaolin. So, um, with that, it's more a tactical, uh, fast, an energetic uh, martial art. Again, going into how fire can be Mm -hmm. uh, powerful, fast, and can spread very quickly. Yeah, no, that makes Uh, sense as well. mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, with airbending, uh, it's uh, 
oh, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's B-A-G-U-A-Z. Oh, so it's Bagua Xiang <laughs> style mm, of martial arts. I don't yes. know. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it's said, but it's uh, B-A-G-U-A-C-H-A-N-G. Oh, okay. I see. I'm looking stuff up. I see Bagua. Yeah. Bagua and then Xiang, I think. Uh, it, yes, uh, and that's called um, circle walk, uh, circle walking, which is again, uh, it's a constant uh, movement like the air. Yeah, uh, I think itself it, has. I think it might be Baguazhang. Okay, uh, but something I, like that. I'm sorry for butchering that because I absolutely did. Uh, and again, dynamic th- footwork, throws, and hand techniques, and again energetic but in a different way than fire is it's more that it's constant movement not necessarily strong erratic movement like uh, the air would have right that makes sense actually because the it's um like ang is constantly moving he yes. never stops moving when he's fighting yeah uh which is why um he struggles so much learning earthbending because the whole point is that you're resolute <laughs> You, uh, your yeah, yeah. well and some... one thing Oop, go ahead no no you carry on you carry on I was just gonna say that's one thing I do remember from the series is them talking about how it's always hardest for the avatar to learn the element that is the his complete opposite yeah the direct opposite yeah they're so different it's mm-hmm. easiest for them to learn the next one in the cycle so yes. in that the cycle goes fire air water earth and so since ang is air his easiest one to learn is water so that's where he goes first is to learn water yeah um uh and then uh most avatars follow the cycle for how they learn not all of them mm-hmm. um but uh this was also done in the show mainly because as far as everyone knew every firebender who could teach ang would not teach ang <laughs> mm-hmm. um Obviously, throughout the show, it's shown that not every firebender agrees with what the Fire Nation is doing, uh, right. as people are. Right. But it's, uh, it's how it's portrayed at the start. So yeah, but so water became quite a natural thing, which again causes some tension between Katara, who is also a waterbender, uh, in the show because they've been trying to get better at this their whole life and. Ang has been out of the ice two days and is already up to their same level and surpassing them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, kind yeah. of part of what being the Avatar is, is that you're yes. you're supposed to be able to pick these things up really quickly. It's just part yes. of you. Yes. Doesn't mean doesn't make it difficult for people who struggle harder to get those same results. Uh, but that's, uh, again, another element of the show, the element <laughs> element of the show that uh, I enjoy is that they don't shy away from talking about these kind of things like I said it's a very adult show which almost hides behind its childlike appearance like, there's very uh, there's very adult themes there's very uh, compelling scenes uh, it's very difficult to explain too much about it without getting too much into spoilers but that's the general concept a lot of research went into creating the bending uh, art styles and how they interact with each other and about how those struggles would come about. Um, now that we've sort of talked about the the show's plot as far as we can and the bending elements, I think now's a fairly good time to go to our break. Hi everyone, and welcome to the mid-roll. You know, everyone's Hi. favorite part, it's the ads. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh. Uh, so I'm going to start off talking about World Anvil, like we always do. World Anvil's an amazing campaign management software and website. It's worldanvil.com. 
you can manage your world, whether you're writing a story or whether you're running a D&D game for your friends and you want to be able to flesh out your world more so that you can have the information available for them. Or if you're an author and you want your audience and your readers to be able to see the world the way you see it, or even just for yourself to kind of get everything organized before you start, it's an amazing resource. It's worldanvil.com. I can't talk up them enough. They're just amazing. And I definitely recommend you go check it out. Mm-hmm. Also supporting the network are Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice are the producers of fine, beautiful polymer dice and metal dice, which is really their sort of big uh, thing that they focus on. They create all of their own moulds for their for their dice, so when you see them, they're the people who actually put time into creating them. They have a Spellbinder series for them where they combine multiple different colours, along with other beautiful like single colour designs that they have. They release things uh, as often as they can, always posting sneak peeks for things. They just released their scroll of rolling like within the last month. It's still gorgeous. It's still an amazing, like uh, just an amazing tool for like travel uh, DMs or travel players because you don't have to worry about how much can you fit into your messenger bag this week uh, because it rolls up into us into a scroll so it sits in there nicely it's practical and they look gorgeous uh, if you want to check out any of their products you can go to dieharddice.com if you find anything you like you could use the code geek thyself to get 15% off your first or next order that's one five fifteen percent and yeah, if you want to roll with the best, uh, feel free to check out dieharddice.com. That's right. And please don't forget to go to nerdsmith.org and check out all of the amazing shows we have over there. You know, shows like Plot Hunters and Shenanigans and who do you think we should mention, Russ? Oh, who should we mention? Uh, we should mention DDM and Champions of the Earth. And in vain. Oh, this this uh, shenanigans. There's a lot of mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's there's a lot of shows. One radio or sorry, <clears throat> W A N D radio. <laughs> yes, uh, I should say it correctly. Uh, there's so much on the network. Um, you, you will find your own little corner of what you enjoy uh, watching, listening to, interacting with. If it's a stream, just check it out. You might find something you like. Definitely. That's nerdsmith.org. Okay. Uh, okay, also, uh, we'll mention it again. While we are past the pre-orders for our first ever Pride pin, which features a lovely little dragon egg uh, and the seven colours of the, the Pride rainbow, uh, it's still showing our support for LGBT QA plus members, whether we are those ourselves, like many of us are on the network, or we are just standing with you as people. The pin is also gorgeous. If you want to check it out, you still can. You can still go to nerdsmith.org forward slash pride and get yourself a pin. They're gorgeous. If you want to check it out, feel free. So, now that we've uh, talked about uh, those sort of main elements, uh, something that I just checked because I was interested in how long they'd had this concept, they started getting the concept for the show in early 2001. So, they spent a good four years developing 
uh, the story before actually releasing any of the episodes that we eventually saw. And you can really tell because the this this there's not really an episode in Avatar that feels like it's out of place. No, it's there's very well thought through. Yeah, there are certainly episodes that maybe are lower stakes for sure, but mm-hmm. even that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And honestly, something that I love about the show is it gets better as you go through. Uh, that's not to yes. say that the first season or first book, as it, they typically call it, is bad. But by the end, like by the time you're in the second and third book, it just keeps getting better, and it doesn't really hit a point where it feels like it dips, because as the show gets older it again goes into more adult themes goes into exploring more interesting questions for an audience that is growing up yeah well and Uh, there's more going on in the world of the avatar also so there's a lot more uh, things to explore and you get to meet a lot new fun characters um one fun little fact too is that the series was actually pitched to nickelodeon two weeks after their initial ideas that they thought up and the initial concept that they developed. So the producers over at Nickelodeon realized that it was such a good idea right away. Um, And to be fair, that's kind of cool that they were as okay to hold off on it, like, going into production right away, because, Mm -hmm. like, that's a lot of pressure for, like, a studio to, like, bank on something and then have to wait four years for it to come out. Obviously, it works out uh, in the end, but that's mm-hmm. still got to be a bit nerve-wracking for them to go, oh, yeah, no, we have this idea. How long have you had it? Two weeks. Oh, but it's still really good. We still want to be a part of it because other yeah. people will want to be a part. Like, you, you know, it's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I agree. Something Something else that has come about recently, which I actually forgot to mention earlier, is that in September 2018, again, in the 10-year anniversary of the show's finale, mm-hmm. Netflix announced that they are releasing a live-action remake of the show. Yes, which, which everyone's nervous about. Cautiously optimistic. It does include the original creators, which is something that is good. Yes. But we have been burnt on this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, again, in 2010, when the live-action film of Avatar, The Last Airbender, mm. came out. <laughs> uh, it was intended to be the first of a trilogy of films, like like there are three books in the, sh- in the series. Yes. But um, in the past decade, there have been rumours of it coming out, rumours of it being worked on. Right now, it seems like it is currently laying to rest, which... Yeah is probably without, best. Yeah. Without I mean, being too harsh on it is probably best. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it um, or hasn't really heard about it, the reason for that is likely the fact that it was overall considered not great. No. Um, it, but <laughs> the, the, the first issue you run into is cramming 20 full-length episodes of a show into an hour-and-a-half movie. Yeah, they shouldn't have tried to do that, because basically they tried to cram an entire season into a single movie, which is only two-and-a-half hours, and the full season was 20 episodes, which each episode was a 30-minute episode. So they tried to turn 10 hours of material into a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah, uh... The thing that I would have maybe preferred they do is make a film set in the Avatar's universe instead of trying to remake the story we were already told better. I feel like that would have gone over better with people because why would we want to watch a rushed version of the drawn-out, really good story we already got? <laughs> um, I, 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 that's just my opinion on it as in general. Like, I don't have an issue with there being other films made, but I don't think making a film about the show is such a good idea. Like, hey, if you wanted to make a film about Toph before they encountered uh, Ang and that kind of thing, that could be an interesting story to tell because it's not something we saw. If you want to uh, focus on Zuko, who is one of the main antagonists of the show, 
who has been sent to search for the Avatar, which is essentially a fruitless quest by his father, because at this point no one sees the Avatar in a hundred years, everyone just assumed that they were not around. So it, it was never intended that they could actually find them, but then they showed back up, and that's became a driving factor for them. But like focusing on their childhood, on their development, could have been really interesting. I just feel like they that they they went about it just the wrong way which yeah well i mean that was one factor like trying to cram so much into such a short time frame and then leaving out a lot that really was necessary to maintain the feel of avatar the last airbender the other problem is all of the controversy regarding their casting yes now you mention it i remember this being an issue uh within the show there is very much ethnic uh, cultures relating to some of the not some of the, uh, some of the elements uh, without with how they connect like um, the fire nation is uh, inspired mainly by Chinese and Japanese settings and buildings and cultures mm-hmm. uh, it's at least I, I'm pretty sure that's the case correct me if I'm wrong that's my understanding yeah yeah. Um, so they take uh, they've taken light inspiration from those kind of settings and those locations and putting them into these different parts of the world. The issue is that all of the Fire Nation people in the film were white for the most part. Yes. Well, and not only that, but just I- I'd have to double check, but I think all three kids that they hired to be the main three characters were of non-Asian descent. Yes, yes. Um, Which didn't fit with the narrative. No. Or d- didn't fit with the story we'd already been told. And it's not necessarily a problem to change it. It's when you don't change the names which are very culturally appropriate and then try and do it. Like I'm not saying you can't change some people to fit a scene better. But if you're only just changing the colour of their skin, it felt weird. It, it, it felt a little disingenuous, which I think a lot of people had an issue with. Well, and it's not, it's not actually just that, at least not for those of us that are people of colour. Yes, which you have more experience with than I do, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so for, um, for anyone out there who isn't aware from previous episodes, I'm half Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to appear more white to most people. Yes. But I am half Japanese. And for a lot of us that are Asian American or just um, specifically Asian American because it's more of an American movie issue. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a lot of whitewashing that happens yeah. in Hollywood. There's a lot of it. Um, and you see it all over the place. You know, a great example that even just came out not that long ago is um, the movie... Um, Aloha or Hawaii, whatever it was, the one with Emma, Emma Roberts, and um, that's not the is that the right person? I don't know. Uh, let's have a look at this film because uh, I've not actually um, heard of this, so I'm I'm kind of interesting. Oh, it, uh, Ohana. Oh, is that okay. what they ended up calling it? Let's I, have a look. I honestly, Ohana. I I blanked out the whole mm. thing. I just didn't even want to talk about it. It was an uh, no, that's great, right. but that that's no, that's it, something to do with uh, Lilo and Stitch, which sounded familiar. <laughs> no, I'm fairly certain it was either Aloha, or um, yeah, it was Aloha. Aloha so from... in a in Aloha, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, Emma Stone, that's what it is. Emma Stone. Okay. Um, Emma. It it starred Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Emma Stone was supposed to be playing a character who was of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. Anyone who doesn't know who Emma Stone is, she's extremely Caucasian. Very much so. Um, uh, I, I also remember this issue coming up with the Ghost in the Shell live action release. Yes. In that Scarlett Johansson or Johansson 
played. Um, I wish I knew the character's name. I I've, I never saw Ghost in the Shell, but I know that. Um, that mm-hmm. again, it was a case of whitewashing the character. Yeah. So for anyone who isn't familiar with the term, um, yeah, whitewashing is basically when a character who is very obviously in the original work an ethnicity that isn't white ends up getting portrayed by a white actor in the movie. Um, and it happens a lot. Uh, I don't remember the major's last name in Ghost in the Shell um, at the moment, but yeah. the It also happened there, yeah. Mm -hmm. It happened there as well, yeah. And it's something that continues to happen constantly. And the problem is the argument that continues to be given every single time is that, at least all the times I've ever heard of it coming up, the argument that always gets presented most strongly is, well, we couldn't find an Asian actor to do it. We couldn't mm. find an Asian actor that was right for the part. We couldn't find an Asian an Asian actor that was good enough. Um, here's the thing. That's completely just trash. Yes. Um, <laughs> what it often translates to is we wanted a bigger name. And people yes. don't know the Asian actors, but they don't know the Asian actors because they never get hired. Yes. And then the other thing is, too, in the case of Avatar The Last Airbender, it wasn't just Asian Americans that were passed over for any of these positions on the show. It was also Native peoples because mm. the two water tribes in the North and South are based off of more Native tribes like the Inuit. Who are yes. uh, I wasn't sure what the Alaska. correct term was. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the correct term was, but thank you. Yeah. And so that's another issue too, and it happened it happens to every non white group of actors and actresses in media is the characters get whitewashed. It actually just recently is happening too with some of the Final Fantasy characters. Okay. Um, for the newest Final Fantasy that's coming out. I'm blanking uh, on the his remake? Yeah, it's like the newest one that's coming out, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but there was an African-American character who in previous iterations was very clearly portrayed as African-American, and then in the newest imagery that's come out, he's a lot paler. Not okay. not necessarily full-on like white, but he's yeah. definitely a lot paler, and instead of having uh, dark brown eyes like he had in some of the previous... Uh, games he now has like bluish green eyes and his hair is now looking more straightened okay so they might be going for multi-ethnic which is okay except why did you have to do that if the character had already been established as of african descent like what's the point yeah no i totally get that that makes sense and this Uh, i could definitely see why that would be infuriating Yes, and for the 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 uh, for the POC community, for those of us who identify as people of color, that mm. that was a major problem with Avatar: The Last Airbender. The fact well, that it was okay. Co- sorry, uh, just so we're not confusing. The Last Airbender. They never. They couldn't actually call it Avatar because of the film Avatar that came out. That's true. To, so it was just called The Last Airbender. Yeah. The show does a great job of representation, at least in my opinion. The sh- yes, the cartoon does a great yes. job. They did their the f- research. They portrayed, yes. they, they took inspiration from different aspects of different Asian cultures, and they did it well. Yes. But the movie did not. Yes, and I was just making sure that we were differentiating that enough, that's all. Because they're very yeah. similar names. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. The... It, it gets confusing because all of the names were similar. But yeah, the show, Avatar The Last Airbender, did a great job. They paid they paid homage to Asian culture, but they, they tweaked it. They combined different aspects of all of it. They did a really good job of portraying it well. 
and being respectful. Whereas the movie, The Last Airbender, the whitewashing upset a lot of the um, the POC community because yeah. it was just another time where it wasn't necessary. Well, and yeah. especially when you consider the fact that even even if they couldn't find someone who quite fit the bill here in America, you have mm-hmm. an entire continent called Asia. Go yes. look. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. Yes, that's definitely... A f- <laughs> it's a bit difficult to skirt around that one. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I can definitely see why that's frustrating. Um, so yeah, the, the movie itself had... Uh, issues with story, issues mm-hmm. with character, and overall the adaptation was only okay. And for a show that was as good as it was, only okay really didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. So mm-hmm. the the for the film. Yes. This sentence is this is verbatim from Wikipedia. I'm quoting. Um, the film was universally panned. For its writing, acting, whitewashed cast, and Shyamalan's direction, it earned a 6% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, as well as five Razzies at the 31st Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture. Okay, just so people understand what the Razzies is. The Razzies is a kind of joke award ceremony which highlights the worst of the worst films during that year. So mm-hmm. to win five Razzies, I'm sure some people would see it as a great achievement, but it doesn't bode well for your for your picture. <laughs> no, no, it's not a good thing. And um, I had forgotten about the acting too. That was one thing. A lot of people didn't like the acting. So like the argument that they couldn't find kid actors that were Asian that were good enough to play the oh, three yeah. roles. But then uh, everyone hated the acting. <laughs> of the three yeah. kids that were the um, main characters. The, the main issue with um, Aang's character within the film is that they hired a professional fighter, like fighters, like somebody who could perform the actions professionally, but they mm-hmm. were not an actor. Mm-hmm. Which kind of had that disconnect that, yeah, the, the, the times when the actions were needed to look good, but the rest of the time it was a bit bland. Which... Isn't necessarily their fault. They weren't an actor. They they were a martial artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it it didn't help the production. Is the point? Yes, I I would again like to point to Asia, where uh, the martial arts they were using originated, and you know there's millions of children, some of whom can act. Sorry, this this is one of those things that where I'm like, this really bugs me when people do this, especially when the excuse is we couldn't find someone that was good enough to do it, and I'm like, have you looked? Yeah, no, it's 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 totally fair to have these kind of feelings about this. You don't yes. need to apologize for it. No. Oh, I will say, Dev mm. Patel played yes. Zuko. He Dev was Patel good. did well. Dev Patel had good, good moments. He had good moments. Yes, but he did a good job with what he was given. Yeah, yeah, the direction <laughs> wasn't the best. No. But he did at least marginal, not even marginally, he, he put in as good a performance as he could with what he had to work with. Mm-hmm. He, Dev Patel did the best job he could with what he was handed. The fact that he was handed junk is not his fault. Um, That's fair. <laughs> also, he's one of the, like, only actually ethnic people of color in the entire with, movie within the, within the production yes um so yes um based on all of that yeah he did much better than than what could be expected with what he was handed yes i think that's a, a fair way of saying it mm-hmm. and one thing that does make me hopeful for the live action remake they're coming out with is the fact that the original creators are involved and they've specifically said that they intend to do it in a culturally appropriate and non-whitewashed way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, good. Yes. So yeah, um, 
So hopefully, like you said, it will be good. I wonder what kind of direction they're going to go with it, actually. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about it. Uh, I'm trying to stay away from it because I just want to sort of go in as fresh as possible, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And before then, you'll have to actually finish the show, which you should definitely do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know overall what happens. Yes. Like, I, I know the overall plot points, um, the big ones. But, yes, I have not actually finished watching the show. I got, I got partway through all the Airbender one. I know I saw him, okay, without giving too many spoilers, um, I saw him on the island that had all of the earth benders on it that was floating in the ocean. I saw him there, and I remember him leaving there. Yes. That's kind of where you remember. Yeah, I think that might be the... F- I think I got a little further than that, but not by much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I would recommend watching it. I think the show is definitely worth your time if you can find any time, though, Heather. That is your big well, problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, if you can ever find time. Okay. Mm-hmm. While we did just discuss something that's very important we maybe could end the episode on a slightly lighter note with a, a, a light-hearted question. Okay. If, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Uh, the question is, what is your personal favourite element and which element would you like to control if you were given a choice? Hmm. That is a very good question. Um... Okay. Uh, I think it would depend. Yeah, on what? How well I can manipulate the element. Like, if I could manipulate air as well as Aang does. Um, um, you could with the appropriate training. So that's yeah, that's true. the basic one. Like, you have this bending power. You can be as good or as not good as you put into it, essentially. Okay. Then I think in those circumstances, it, in like, in our world, like in an everyday yes. setting here, if I could pick an element, I would probably go with air. Because yes. then I could fly and not yeah. have to pay for gas or deal with traffic again. Yeah, that's kind of where I kind of thought about it, because obviously flying is fun. Being mm-hmm. able to be doing that would be interesting. Uh, obviously, like, there are ways of manipulating that with Earth. I guess you could sort of move along the Earth as, like, rocks and stuff, or move through it, which, again, could be useful. Um, I feel like if I had the option, it would be air. If I was given one based on my kind of... The way my sort of, uh, like, body frame is. Because, like, like, there's a sort of frame that certain benders have. Uh, I feel like my frame better fits an earthbender. Which, because I'm, I'm resolute. I'm difficult to knock down. <laughs> like, I, like, not even like that. Like, I have a fairly good core. Like, mm-hmm. you, uh, that kind of thing. I feel like if I was given one based on that kind of thing, it would be earth. But air would be my choice as well. Okay, yeah, I feel like air would be my choice, like, in this world, just because of the benefits of being able to go everywhere and fly. I do think, I feel like if I was given an element, um, I would probably be water, just because of the way my personality is. I, I'm very go with the flow for the most part. Um, which obviously fits with water, but also there's the fact that most of the time I think I'm pretty calm and gentle and not causing a lot of problems, but then every once in a while if the right situation happens, I am going to smash into you and get you out of my face. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, (laughs) the the water is a cruel mistress, don't underestimate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because it's calm right now doesn't mean it always will be. Exactly. Yeah, okay, I could definitely see that. 
That's a fun visual as well. You just smashing into things with water. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously for this kind of like setting, air feels like the best choice because fire, you like while fire is useful, you wouldn't really feel the need. Like if you were the only element bender, you wouldn't need fire like to defend yourself from other benders mm-hmm. or like attack like so air just feels like the best in that kind of contained way so yeah i definitely agree on that very roller coaster heavy episode i think <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up there if you guys haven't seen avatar i highly recommend it um each episode is about 23 minutes roughly uh you know you don't need to rush it just take it as you go if you're anything like interested in this kind of thing, we've uh, I I personally think you'd like it because obviously Heather hasn't seen it all, but right. If you if if you do end up watching it, let me know what you think because hey, it's a really cool show, and let us know if you watch the uh, live action Netflix series as well. If you've already seen Avatar, when that comes out. Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. In the meantime. We will be back next week with more fun topics. And we will talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. You wake up startled in the middle of the night, convinced that there's something out there in the darkness. Your brain tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of. Unfortunately, your brain is dead wrong. If you love the mix of horror, mystery, and comedy in shows like Buffy, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, or Supernatural, you'll feel right at home on The Crit Show, a Monster of the Week actual play podcast. Follow the hair-raising adventures of three friends tasked with being the last line of defense from the forces of evil that go bump in the night. Find The Crit Show on nerdsmith.org or wherever you get your podcasts.